Good evening and welcome to episode three of the aptly titled So What's Been Happening? Uh, who would have thought we'd get to episode three after this chat that first started uh, in episode one in respect of uh, a couple of mates getting together, having a chat about life. Um, and we ended up uh, just jumping on board and just going live on Facebook and YouTube. And uh, it, sp it sparked then into a couple of guests, music guests. And the whole point of it was really uh, sitting together in lockup and finding out how mates are going. Um, and we thought we'd just jump on live and have a chat to whoever whoever jumps on and wants to have a chat. So um, the first uh, guy that, that I always jumped on as a guest uh, is a good mate of mine, Mr. Glenn Curran. How are you, Glenn? G'day, Ace. How are you, mate? How's your day been? Good, mate. Uh, day's been pretty good, actually. Um, the weather's, weather's turned a little bit colder this week. But we're uh, we're still up and firing. Well, they say tomorrow is going to be the coldest day, about eleven degrees, like the coldest day since the two thousand and two grand final. They mentioned them, and I heard on the news today, about eleven oh, degrees. Your, uh, you can be our weather correspondent as well. That'll be <laughs> good um, in the next few weeks. So that'll uh, that'll be fun. So um, it's looking like uh, if all goes well, Sunday might uh, might mean padlock number one gets unbolted off the chain in Victoria. Uh, what, do you, what do you think that looks like? Will yeah, we get look, there? I, I think that's the way it's going to go. Look, I, I did hear Dan on one of the news services today. He's very guarded in what, he's, what, he, what we should expect happening, what we expect is going to happen and what actually will happen. So I think, I think there will be definite lifting of some restrictions, but Look, just the general public in downtown Monty, where you and I live, people might get a little bit ahead of themselves. So don't don't expect too much. I think that's a good analogy. One one link in the padlock chain, I think, is about it. Yeah, it's interesting. Talk about don't get ahead of yourself. Uh, we've probably got ahead of ourselves a little bit on this podcast, to be honest. And uh, <laughs> it's turned into a, it's turned into a little bit of a um, a banter session, no doubt. Um, yep. But one little one little video I'd like to play is uh, is this one from the AFL. Just relax. Okay? We don't talk. We don't talk to one another. It's okay. I remember that uh, from Razor Ray. What a what a great uh, what a great asset to the AFL he is. I know he cops a little bit of a bagging, but I just love the fact that he's he's a man's man and he gets out and he has a chat to the players. Obviously, it's a little bit of Ray time, but just great to hear him say. We don't talk like that. We don't talk to each other like that. And isn't that, isn't that interesting to, to hear, hear from someone like Ray that, that puts the personality back into umpires? Yeah, look, it's, it's a bit refreshing. Look, from my experience just playing local footy, obviously the standards are a lot different to the standards you get in the AFL. However, the good thing about it was you always had the aftermatch function and it was an expectation that you went to the, the, other, the home side's after match function and stayed there for at least half an hour or so. So one, you got to speak to the opponent and the and members of the opposition, but you also got to spend time with the umpires as well. And obviously, what happens on the field stays on the field a bit. But that said, I used to love the banter between opponents and the umpires as well, and that, that was part of making local footy, I suppose, the success that it's now become. Yeah, look, I think that's a big part of local sport. Absolutely, yeah. Uh... And and not just local sport. Professional pro professional teams back in the day used to get together in the in the aftermatch function and 
come up and have a beer and and talk stories. I'm, I'm not sure whether that happens too much these days, but you'd like to think it, it can still happen. I know there's uh, it's all about recovery and stuff these days, so um, it probably uh, there's probably a little bit more to it. But just a quick shout out from uh, from a good mate of mine, Kerry, um, who I jump on and do the Gooch live with um, live in Canada. So it's great. To, uh, he's up nice and early in the morning. Um, and baseball caps, yeah, I've I've switched <laughs> to the A's now. But um, I've brought the Blue Jays a win. As you know, I, uh, I've got plenty of caps and I'm a caps man. Uh, you don't have much choice when you've got no hair. But it uh, keeps the sun out and it's, uh, it's good fun. So I've got another good mate of mine who loves a, loves a cap or two. So um, without, uh, without further ado, we might, we might just cross. I think um, I've got a little connection for him. Um, and I think he's actually, uh, just let me check where he is. I think he's actually still in Vegas. Just let me just let me see. Oh, how do they make it so good? G'day, Steve. Sorry about the noise, mate, over here at the spa in Vegas. Having a great time. Such a shame you couldn't come, mate. Uh, happy 50th. Hope you have a bloody good day. Mate, hooked up a bit of a cake for you here. Got the sparkles there. We'll light them up and get stuck into that later. I'm going to get going. Andy and Roxy are coming back with me next year. Happy New Year, mate. Have a good one. Wow. Live from Vegas. Um, geez, good to have Billy on. That's a uh, bit of fun there. And I think um, I think that might have been last night for Billy, just a bit of live footage there. Um, I think he's. Uh, I think he might be actually back in his hotel room now. Let's let's see if we can knock on the line. Um, just let me see if I can dial up his camera here for uh I think he might be at uh the Bellagio. Just let me let me cross. Let me see what I can get. There he is. Billy. Uh, welcome. Hey boys. Uh yeah, thanks. Uh great to be on the uh ratings juggernaut that is uh so what's been happening. Yeah, well I, I suppose we can open with that. But uh the great part about what I've just set up here is the other two guys here, Glenn and Billy, don't know each other. Never, never, don't even, I don't even think you, maybe your names come up in, in conversation with through me, um, but I hope you guys get together uh, after isolation um, when you're back back home from Vegas, um, Bill, and it'd be good to uh, be good to talk footy, talk talk a bit of cricket. So it was great during this COVID time to be able to uh, jump on and have a chat about life. Um, good to get you part of it. You, I know you're a mad sportsman. Um, you love your sport. Uh, most importantly, you love your banter. So that's all all about what this show's about. So uh, without uh, further ado, Glenn, this is a good mate of mine, Billy Hewitt, Glenn Curran. Billy, just just talk us about your spa your spa work there, mate. I like that very much. Look very comfortable there, mate. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, mate, the girls were just out of shot there. They were uh, doing the right thing and going to get a couple of stubbies, but. Uh, yeah, had a uh, a mate's fiftieth, so I uh, was heading over there to Vegas end of April, but obviously due to COVID, um, that all things went pear shaped. So uh, yeah, his wife uh, or your mate didn't actually know I was coming over. I was going to surprise him, just walk down the hotel reception and go down there. There's half a dozen of us going over, and um, yeah, so she. She put together a bit of a, a makeshift surprise for him. Of uh, yeah, got all of her friends to send a video. So. That's just what I happened to uh, to come up with in the front yard, mate. Yeah, nice, nice work. 
fantastic to see. Um, good to see what happens in Vegas. Um, doesn't necessarily stay in Vegas if you've had the had the camera out. So good you were able to shoot your mate a, a bit of footage there. What's what's the story? He couldn't make it, or what happened? Couldn't make his uh, own birthday. Yeah, couldn't make his own birthday, mate. Yeah, so uh, COVID and uh, and Dan put a stop to that. Obviously, uh, world we're, we're living in a different world at the minute, and everything was all planned. But uh, as I said, things went pear shaped, and yeah, couldn't get there unfortunately. Gee, that's disappointing. Um, tell us a little bit about how good that party was. Um, I don't know, Bill. Have you have you got any footage, or how'd we go? What's the was there an after party? I'm sure what happens in Vegas doesn't necessarily uh, uh, get to air, but I'm sure it. Uh, I'm sure it was a big party, and I'm and I'll bet you it went for more than a day. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I'm not sure. Obviously, you uh, you two boys would be familiar with the app Snapchat and and why that was invented. So uh, you you sort of when you're in Vegas, that's a really handy app to use. I think so. You don't want any evidence on your phone. Uh, you don't want to be sending to anyone. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, Snapchat's the way you roll when uh, when you're in Vegas, that's for sure. I, I, oh, I'd, be no good, I'd be no good then, Billy, because my, my my sons have sworn me off Snapchat. I've got um, he's probably got you in ghost mode, has he? So you don't know, <laughs> you don't know where he is. <laughs> I've got you. I've got I've got Twitter and Facebook, but even them, I, I'm told to use them in very guarded laws and regulations, and that's from yeah, the family, well. not from actual, not, not from the providers. What you get up to in Vegas, you don't want to be putting on Twitter. Yeah, what's well, it? Interesting, Bill. Uh, it was interesting, Bill. Uh, I've got a bit of footage from, uh, I think this might be the morning after. Have a look at this little video. Oh, geez, mate. Shit, it was a wild night. Missed a bloody good party. Oh, fairly dusty today, but I'm sure we'll recover. Mate. Happy 50th, hope you're having a bloody good day over there in the sunshine. And uh, what better way to celebrate than as well have another can. Happy birthday, mate. Have a ripper. Wow. Jeez, it looks like a big night there. Yeah, you're a solid session. Alan from The Hangover uh, didn't make it into the, the spa, obviously, but you see there's a couple of empty... Uh, Jill Singer rappers floating around there, so uh, yeah, she's all, all in good fun. Great to see, great to see. So uh, I suppose uh, you uh, let, let's cut to the chase. You, you've you've snuck back to Melbourne, Bill. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and your postcode we're in we're in uh, we're two postcodes. Uh, Glenn's quite close to me, uh, a couple of k's away. Um, socially distant, of course. Um, yeah. Yep. But it's it's interesting. Uh, tonight's a tonight's a big night on the on the AFL calendar. Um, let's talk a little bit about AFL. Or um, well, before we do, before we do, let let's come back to that in a two seconds. Let's just talk about um, life in COVID for you, Bill. Um, obviously, uh, snuck back from Vegas straight into uh, lockdown, and lockdown's been a few months now. So, what was it? What what did you do before? Uh, lockdown. What was your gig, and have you still got that gig now? Um, and then, what's it look like? Hopefully, on the other side of this. Yeah, well, I was lucky enough uh, to sneak another trip in uh, over the states in Jan, so I sort of snuck that one in as well. Went over there for uh, for the basketball, bit of uh, check out a Lakers game. Always wanted to see MJ play and Kobe, and uh, obviously never got to. So I thought, you know, 
now that LeBron's in LA, you know, it's just short 14-hour flight across to uh, LA, so why not go and have a look? And uh, thought I'd take in some PGA golf while I was there as well, Torrey Pines uh, down in San Diego for the farmer's insurance, so that was good. Mark Leishman won that, so um, it was easy to follow him around because the Yanks are, oh, you wouldn't want them on your quiz night table, put it that way, and, uh, yeah, you sort of, they like, they just, they don't, unless you're American, they don't know who you are, so I just followed him around for the whole last round, so that was terrific. But unfortunately, the day I got there was the day that Kobe uh, was tragically killed in the in the helicopter accident. So uh, yeah, that was very disappointing. Obviously, in more ways than one. But in terms of getting to the game, uh, I was going to the LA Derby on the Tuesday. Uh, yeah, so that got postponed. So I missed that. But uh, checked out the Phoenix Open on the Thursday. So I uh, did a quick ten day trip. Just quickly floated around over there and Phoenix Open was awesome, party hole, that was fantastic. Like, I'd, I'd go back there, you know, tomorrow if it was on. Obviously, uh, we may not even be able to go back next year, who knows. But, yeah, so I snuck a quick trip in there. But as, as far as work goes, um, yeah, in the construction game. So with that, um, things were ticking along all right. And then obviously with the lockdown, uh, we had sort of a week and a half where we went down, we were still at 100%. Obviously, in construction, it's been pretty good because, you know, we put on COVID offices and you're cleaning the site sheds and all those sort of things regularly, uh, socially distancing, so staggering your staff, staggering your breaks. So it's been one good thing, like, um, you know, a lot of people, especially uh, the Herald Sun, is one that, you know, they like to get in, get stuck into the unions. And, you know, don't get me wrong, they, you know, sometimes take things too far, but you've got to stand up for the boys as well. So as far as that goes, they've been brilliant um, with our safety and looking after us with all the cleaning and, and all those sort of things. So it's been a battle uh, with the 25%, because the client we're working for at the moment is still expecting 100% output. So that's been a challenge, but you sort of just got to think that, well, there's a lot of poor buggers who are out of work, you know, so um, you can't, you know, thank your lucky stars that you're still working. Absolutely right. Um, yeah. That's uh, very true, Bill. Um, and Glenn, um, just uh, just to fill Billy in, what's your what's your gig these days? Uh, I work as a sort of credit controller, sort of debt collection, sort of for a fuel card company. So we're American owned, but look after a lot of the fuel cards here in Australia. So Seven Eleven, or them. So basically, motor pass, motor charge. So any fuel card that you use. Fairly big chance that I look up, I work for the company that looks after it. So I've done that for just under two years. Before that, I worked as an integration aide. So I worked with special needs kids at both high school and primary school level, which is probably the greatest job I've ever done, most rewarding. But it's a, it can be a bit of a love job. It's not the most overly paid job. So with a oh, three or two kids, stepdaughter and mortgage to pay, went back to the sort of work I'd done in a previous sort of life. So, yeah. And like you said, Bill, so, very lucky to still be working. Like the whole way, well, I've worked the whole way through, so it's very, very lucky. So if my fuel card doesn't work tomorrow, I can just call you. Is that all right, mate? Fairly good chance you can ring me, mate. Yeah, you mightn't get me, but by all means, <laughs> by, by all means, ring me. Yeah, ah, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what you what you might get is a bit, a little bit more. Yeah, that's a pretty common line, isn't it, these days in in uh, in COVID call centres? 
Um, Takes you 12 and a half quick. minutes to get it, though. Then yeah, again, if they're chasing money, I'm sure they're going to chase you. So, um, all right, let's switch we're tack good, a little bit. Not, not, not that great comeback the other way, Bill. So if we're chasing you, we'll find you. you yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Nah, so, so far, so good, mate. So, and as I said, uh, yeah, I'll know where to come. Exactly right. Good to hear. So just before we jump into the AFL and tonight's announcement of the All-Australian team, reduced down from a 40 squad. Um, let's just uh, let's just put on record who we who we follow and who we barrack for. It's obviously pretty obvious in my background. Um, I'm a mad Demons man, always have been. Um, as a Demons supporter, you kind of have to find a second love. Um, so I've declared that obviously in AFL, I've always followed the Hawks. Um, thank God they've had a bit of success for me. Um, sadly, since 88, we got absolutely belted by the Hawks, so that wasn't a wasn't a good day for me. Um, and another, obviously, Glenn. Glenn's a mad uh, bombers man. So, come 2000, we copped another beating. Um, so, fair to say, these the bombers and the Hawks probably aren't on my aren't on my highest priority list. But I, I do uh, I do have a lot of respect for the powerhouses they've been over time. So. Um, Guys, a second love. Have you got a second love in sport or footy? Footy in general? Oh, footy to me. Uh, one of the teams you just mentioned there, AC, uh, the Mighty Fighting, the Hawkers. Uh, yeah, been. I was Collingwood. Everyone else in my family's Collingwood. And I was Collingwood until I was about four or five, and then our neighbours, about ten k up the road, bought a Hawks jump at the bus stop in the morning, and then uh, I was a Magpie in the morning. By the time I got home from school that night, I wanted the jumper, so I switched to the Hawks, and that was. It was probably in 84, so not a good year as far as uh, the Bombrays knocking us off, but uh, I can't complain too much from there in terms of how successful we've been and seen a lot of flags. And, you know, you, you look at how much joy it brought the doggy supporters when they won one and, like, teams, people haven't seen their team win one. So, you know, like, you wouldn't have seen the Ds win one, mate, so I, I can't complain with how well the Hawks have been going. As for a second love, well, uh, yeah, the mighty Melbourne Storm, so i got no complaints there either. Uh, one of Australia's most successful sporting clubs. Yeah, well, um, I'm pretty lucky to share that uh, view as well. Um, grew up as a Parramatta fan with the NRL uh, before we had a team. Um, we used to work on the slogan, if it, it doesn't matter because Parramatta. So that was the way we used to have a crack uh, when we used to go up and follow the Demons on a on a Sydney trip every year. Follow, we used to get up there and make sure when we got to New South Wales, we'd go and see Parramatta play or whoever was in town. So that was always good fun. And um, when the mighty Melbourne Storm came in, geez, the world changed then for us. Um, we've been staunch supporters ever since uh, since since we kicked off in '98-ish, wasn't it? Uh, I think from memory, and we had some great success there. And to win it um, that year after, I think it was '99. Was pretty sure that first yeah, '99 knocked off the Dragons. Yeah, yeah. when we uh, knocked off, well, I'll never forget that moment. Sitting in, uh, obviously, the final was in Sydney. We're sitting in. Um, in the sports bar at the casino. Um, I think that's, yeah, I can't remember this, the original sports bar they used to call it there. Um, but there was full, was full of St George supporters. Um, they were going crazy and Mundine had absolutely killed us and uh, it was an absolute bloodbath. And by half time, we thought uh, we're no show here. And a mate of mine said to me, he goes, hang in there, mate, hang in there. He goes, if we win, it's going to be on. Right, so I reckon there was about three of us as Melbourne supporters, Storm supporters, and somehow we came back, and you've never seen a bar clear out quicker 
But by the end of it, there was three of us. The beers were free. We're, that was the it was the it was the best it was the best night ever. Um, and it from from hasn't it been a massive whirlwind since then? Um, twenty odd years, uh, and the mighty Melbourne Storm, the NRL stolen a couple off us, um, trying to trying to hold us back. But um, what a powerhouse we've been! Oh, absolutely, mate. Uh, yeah, as you said, they they sort of put us down here. Um, just sort of said, oh, we want to grow the competition. We've got to put a team in Victoria, uh, and I don't think they sort of took into account how sports mad Melbourne is and how successful they wanted to be. There was just a token effort, sort of a bit like the reverse when the AFL sort of said, oh, we'll ship, up, ship the bloods up to Sydney and sort of not care about it. Sort of a little bit of a thing where they expected, oh, well, we've got a team down there. They'll be no good and we'll go down there and beat up on them. And uh, ever since that hasn't happened. Uh, you know, particularly New South Wales, you know, it's a delight to listen to guys like Paul Gallen and, and uh, Gus Gould really pumped the storm up and how much they love him. Um, so, yeah, they didn't expect us to be good. So I think that makes it even better that, you know, we are a, a super team. Yeah, and I think it's great. been great that the uh, the NRL's brought State of Origin down to Melbourne. Um, I mean, that's just been incredible. It's hard not to be a Queensland fan. Um, I've always been a Queensland fan and a, a good mate of mine I used to work with was mad New South Wales. Um, so... We used to really uh, get amongst it come state of origin, which is arguably bigger than the grand final um, in for for a lot of fans. Um, just a great spectacle, and it's uh, it was great to have it in Melbourne. Um, obviously, with Melbourne pretty much being the the Queensland team um, at one stage, with some power powerhouse superstars in that lineup, the big four. Um, but we've continued to continue to grow and develop incredible players and. Uh, we've had some great coaches and what an amazing uh, club. So I'm so proud to be a Melbourne Storm supporter, as you are, Bill. Um, by chance, you know, we didn't catch up a lot uh, over the last couple of years. And I'm sitting uh, with my wife and four rows from the front, you know, just behind the uh, opposition bench. And uh, we're sitting there watching the game and kicking back. And and uh, next minute, bloke wanders down with a beer and sits three rows in front of me. And I said to Psycho, <laughs> I think that's Bill. I go, Billy, turns around. And of all the whole stand, um, on both sides of the ground, Bill ends up with a seat a couple of rows in front of us and we've been inseparable for the last couple of seasons. So we really miss it, don't we, Bill, this season? Um, but it'll be great oh, to get yeah. there eventually. Yeah, it's been hard. Like, it's it's been good. They've made a home away from home in the sunny coast. But uh, one, of, one of my... Real good mates who you know from back in the Melbourne days, Paul Wicks, he's, his brother's up that way. And, uh, yeah, Wicks is a storm man too. And, you know, his brother says, oh, I'm off to the sunny coast. He only lives an hour from there driving down. And, yeah, to say, you know, being able to walk 20 minutes up the road to Amy Park and, you know, sort of sport, sport there being able to do that. But this year really missed it when, you know, they're going up to the sunny coast and watching. But fingers crossed they'll be back. And, uh, yeah, it has been tough. but. It helps that they've been successful. It's good watching them. Something to watch on Fox Sports when you know, we're uh, in house arrest and not allowed to go anywhere. Well, I think one thing you can guarantee is that the mighty <coughs> Melbourne Storm's going to have an absolute crack, aren't they? So um, it'll be really interesting this week. Uh, I can't imagine another team being able to rest potentially ten players. Um, I know it's a bit of a dead rubber, but I actually think we're still going to get over the line with ten players out. So. That'll be incredible for these young kids to experience that in a couple of weeks before the finals. It'll be uh, what a sight for these young kids. 
yeah, it's good. It gives them a taste. Uh, you know, it's still an NRL game. So, you know, these kids that are getting to go, um, you know, they might have been biding their time for two or three years and just can't get in because it is a star-started lineup. So you never know. You, you take your chance. You know, you look at someone like Brent Renouf in the 08 flag for the Hawks last last round of the year, Simon Taylor, big squizzy, thought, oh, I'll have a bit of a spell, you know, freshen up for finals. Twister comes in, plays well, and they couldn't drop him, and next thing he's a premiership player. So someone might take their chance, and, you know, they might might end up, you know, in the 17 on the bench, but, uh, you know, you're still in the side if you win the flag. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mark, mark that this conversation down, because definitely one of the best things that comes out of sport and local sport is nicknames. So let's let's keep a keep a tab on that in the next month or so, and and we'll talk about some nicknames and where they potentially came from, and or maybe our take on what the nickname is, and then we might do a bit of research and find out where it really came from. Um, obviously, uh, Glenn um, being a mad bomber man, uh, not just two thousand, but geez, two thousand was a special year for you. I remember sitting uh, at a grand final with a good mate of mine up in the top stand of the Olympic stand, um, very much the top. And it was all over by halftime, um, just before halftime, actually. And then typically the Bombers decided to throw absolute cut lunches um, and decide to take out half our blokes that we, if we were ever a chance of a comeback, make sure you knock out some of the young blokes. Um, I'll never, ever forgive the Bombers for that. But uh, after that, it was the first Maybe time. Maybe Troy Simmons, but he can't remember. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I remember, uh, look, David David Schwartz tells a great story of uh, he was like a bull in a candy, um, yeah, bull in a china shop. He didn't know what to do, mate. He was running at blokes trying to work out who he was going to grab and who he was going to. Uh, he was only a young bloke at the time, and talk about he he couldn't believe it. It was an absolute the melee of melees um, in a grand final. So it's been a while since we've seen one like that. But being a bomber supporter, Glenn. Um, trials and tribulations, no doubt, in the last few years, but you've been an incredible club, will continue to be, um, and I think there's some good things to come for sure. Oh, look, as, as Billy said, look, I was lucky enough, being a little bit older than you blokes, I went in 83, my dad took me to 83, got beaten by 83 points by the Mighty Hawkers, and dad went home at three-quarter time and got back to Glen Huntley Station, and I was only 13, he got off, got off the train and thought, shit, I've forgotten something. Oh, that's right. He had to come back and get me. <laughs> so lucky enough to – I didn't go 84, but I was lucky enough to be there in 85. And, look, just, just great memories. And obviously, as you said, 93 was probably – 93 is probably the most enjoyable one because you won it from nowhere. It was a bit like the Doggies when they when they won 17 or 16. They, they sort of came out of nowhere. And, and we're the young side, the Baby bomb like it was the Baby Bombers Mark two, And, look, I'm lucky enough at my age. We've seen them one had a fair bit of success. Look, they're struggling a bit now. But that said, in all honesty, look at the 18 teams. It's a pretty even competition. Whether you agreed at the time about the comp going national, you look at the results now. I know this year's been a different year as opposed to normal years, but even comp. So it's going to be harder to win it. Like that's why it's magic. And you've been a Hawks fan, Billy would know. That's why the achievements of Hawthorne in the sort of mid-teens, and then Brisbane in the early 2000s to win three in a row, amazing. And I, I look, I'd be very surprised if you see that again. Look, look even back-to-back now is becoming, not, not, I wouldn't say impossible, but very, very hard to do. Yeah, well, hold, 
hold that thought on back to back because we'll talk about that in a little bit. But let's maybe let's uh, let's jump into the the uh, world that is tonight um, with the AFL and AFL. Re- reducing a a forty a forty uh, man squad uh, down to twenty. That's going to be always an interesting uh, challenge, no doubt, and it comes with a lot of deliberation, no doubt. Some of these absolute superstars in this list. Um, interesting to see. Uh, Max Gorn sitting there with, you know, a lot of people talk about him as a premier ruckman. Uh, he absolutely is, and obviously I'm super biased. But to me, he uh, he was really unlucky in the in last night's um, Melbourne um, Bluey Truscott medal. Uh, he's he's finished fifth. He's a mile off. Um, so I suppose, you know, the the opinion of being a a, a superstar that's expected to poll votes. Um, if you're not polling votes in your own in your own club and you're the captain, what how does that how do, what do you think of that, guys? What do you think, Glenn? First, oh, but I think that happens. It has, hasn't there been there has been years when the Burnley medalist hasn't won his own team's bayonet. Yep, absolutely. Which which to me, I I think if you're winning the best player in the AFL award. What what are you, what are your coaches and and the like or whoever's doing the voting at a t- at a club level? What's what's their parameters? <laughs> They're obviously pulling out from a different sort of sort of feel. That's a, I, I I don't understand that. Okay, yeah. look, I don't so you've got sorry, Bill. I don't religiously as you do, but to me, when Gorn's up, they're up. Sometimes too, it can come down to the the club's voting structure. Like I know, like in some clubs, everyone gets a vote. So it just depends whether, you know, like say a defender has done their job and and stopped the forward. It, like he might get he might get eight votes because he's, um, you know, stopped his forward. Whereas, you know, say hypothetically, Maxi gone might might break even. And he still had a good game. You think, oh yeah, I'd have him in the best, and he might only get four votes. So in terms of that, like I know at the Hawks, that's what they used to do. That you know, everyone got a vote, and you know, Josh Gibson won the Hawks in back-to-back best and fairest in Hawks premiership years. So he did have good years, but whether he was the best and fairest, but because he beat his man every week, like he consistently gets seven, eights, and nines, and then. They over the rounds they crew they add up pretty quick. So, yeah. um, not saying he, he didn't deserve it, but certainly you know the voting s- structure can can play a big part in it too. Because sometimes you'll look in the Herald Sun. Sometimes it will say you know you know so and so won the Crichton Medal like Ridley won it the other night, and I might say oh he won with three hundred and seventy eight votes, and then you look at another clubs and it will say. You know, so and so won with twenty-seven votes. So yeah. it just yeah, it depends how it's structured too. But I certainly would have had Maxi gone. I would have had him. You'd have to be top three at Melbourne for what they've got in terms of Petrarca by the length of a straight. And then if you can't have Maxi in your top three after that, something's not right. Yeah, it's interesting because just let's just stay on the demons for two seconds. Obviously, being super biased, but we'll cover the three our three major clubs. Um, but this is uh, this is what the top five look like um and it's in possibly no mega surprise there but 
definitely Langdon, I think, um, polled better than I, I thought he might have. But you might be right, um, Bill, about, uh, you know, gaining votes um, as, as if every player gets one or, or the ones. and It's definitely the ones and twos absolutely matter by the end of the year. But, look, uh, I can't understand for the life of me how this bloke missed out. Um, probably had his best year of footy, honestly. Um, and the goals scored against those players that he's played on, 10 goals for the year. Um, surely a glaring omission from the 40, at least. Yeah, for him not, I mean, not in the 40, um, you know, that's... Well, there's no other way to sum it up. It's a, it's a, it's ordinary. Like, how, how could he not be in there? Like, he's played every game. So, if you understand, if he played twelve games, he'd missed say five games, and he played well in the dozen games he played, but there's no excuse for him to leave him out. He's played every game. He's been the fittest he's ever been. Um, and those stats speak for themselves. Like, he's playing on the key forward and kept him to ten goals for the whole season. So, it not only should he be not like out of the 40, he should be in the 22. But yeah, the thing with May too, this year particularly, as you said, Billy, having his body right, he's more than just a defender. He's, he, he uses the ball well from defence as well. So they actually like they actually like the ball in his hands from deep defence. Like obviously Christian Salem's one of your better ball users. But if you look often, often May will, make, will take the intercept mark and he's often the kicker, as opposed to a lot, a lot of blokes who intercept Mark like to give off. Mm. But he's often the bloke who takes that short 20 or 30 kick to open him up for their next advance forward. So Look at the bloke been... Melbourne got rid of. Like, they got rid of Frost. Like, he's yeah. a, he's going to be a good intercept Mark or a one-on-one like May. But he's a horrendous decision maker. Like, he, he did have a good year for the Hawks. But if you compare May and Frost, like, Apples for apples, like I know I'd want it in May's hand coming out of the fence. Absolutely. Like I think it's it's just a great thing that May's been able to come back. He had a pretty bad injury the year before. Uh, Melbourne obviously had big promises for him between him and Lever. Um, it's great to have him back in the team and played so well this year. But a couple of other glaring omissions. Grundy, Goldstein, Saad, Parker, Collins. Big names there. Look, yeah, Grunt. You go, Glenn. I was going to say with Saad being a bomber. Look, Saad, I think playing the games on the boutique ovals this year, Gap, Gabba, Metricon, Kazali, they went up to Darwin, um, Adelaide Oval. I don't think that actually helps Saad's game. Like the run and attack off half back tighter grounds didn't really suit him. Look, so I'm not saying he was I'm not saying he's not an North Australian player. I don't think this year had an North Australian year. Grundy look I, I get held down a bit for this. I don't I don't think Grundy, I don't put him in the same conversation I put say for, for influence. Grundy's influence looks better because he's got the silver service at his feet. That the on board brigade they've got are pretty good. I look at the impact of, say, look what Gorn does, look what Nick Knapp does. Their impact, I find, more than Grundy's. Yeah, I'd, I'd have, uh, as far as Nick Knapp and Grundy, 
Um, I'd take I'd take Grundy every day of the week. Like Nick Nat's one of those players that you know he's got to do. He does three thing three good things a game. Yeah. And like we we're talking a bit before about the you know guys not catching votes. I think Grundy he's a workhorse. So he, he's not nothing. Whatever he does isn't spectacular. So if if you were to compare their games, um, yeah, I'd take Grundy every day of the week just because. He does a lot of stuff, unrewarded stuff, whereas, you know, Nick Nat can take a high mark and those sort of things. But I think that Grundy gets his – he has got those elite ball winners as well as Nick Nat, but I, I reckon he just – the service he provides from you know, better than Nick Nat. You, you know, they show the highlights, he gets up high and puts it down someone's throat, but I reckon Grundy does that more consistently, whether it, you know, constitutes all Australian, but I reckon he's got Nick Nat covered. I think Grundy thing – the thing for Grundy too is – as you said, Billy, there's an expectation he does it too. Mm. So whether whether he's fairly judged on that or not, it's like when you go to the races to watch Winks. You're pretty sure that Winks is going to get up. So the, thankfully it didn't happen. But the day Winks would have got beaten, everyone would have thought, well, hang on a minute, what, what's going on here? I think that's an expectation with Grannies. And I think umpires, selectors from All-Australian, I think they look at that as well. They look at Grundy. Oh, that's just what Grundy does. So, as you said, you got your flashier players like your Nick Nat and others. And if Grundy doesn't do that, he's more your meat and three veg, and gets the job done. So that's probably why he doesn't get maybe the accolades he should. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, keeping on the the superstar a lineup here, do you see any names in this first batch of twenty that potentially a uh, straight out and it's and i know that's a hard question because they're all probably valid um that they should be probably some of the best in their own team but do they make the top 20. well i was going to ask the question to you boys do you make the top 20 in australia or the australian team because you're lucky enough the way your draft felt that you get drafted on a side that's had a good year like there's a lot of players in that side I judge a good player. So if I take out, say, a Bonten Pally, if he's playing in the Gold Coast, Bonten Pally still influences games, get kicks. I look at the other blokes in that top 40, would they do the same thing? Like, look at, say, a Darcy Byrne Jones at Port Adelaide. If he's going to go and play in the Gold Coast, is he going to be allowed to be the loose man off halfback and propel them into attack like he does at Port? With the blokes he's got around him, personally, yeah, he's not. Yeah, he's so. not going to have that luxury. If he's at yeah. the Suns, he's not going to have the luxury of sitting off the halfback flank. He's going to be in the yeah. engine room. So, yeah, um, yeah it's a, it's a fair point. No, no, no I don't mind to have a gut look. It's a, it's a great accolade to get to the forty stage. I, I don't, but mm. that's. I suppose that if you if you should if you're sorting the wheat from the chaff, so to speak, like you look at like on the second page, you've got like even blokes like Jake Wheatling's had a great year, but. Does he does he play as well in a side where he's playing on the? I don't know. I, I think and someone someone like him, like Weedering, I'd be surprised if he gets in on the fact that it seems to be a bit like a player who does well in the Brownlow. Like they might come top three in the Brownlow, and it's sort of like you've got to earn your stripes to win it. So it's yeah. a bit like all Australian as well, which is ridiculous. If you're best, you win it. Like you you should just yeah. win it. That's a bit like the all Australian. They sort of put them in there and go. It's like they're scared to go, oh, he's had one good year. We 
like we'll put him in. Like we, they sort of, they don't want to pull the trigger on it. But and then they sort of go right, earn your stripes, and then if you have another good year next year, we'll put you in at centre half back. So, and those sort of guys, if they've had an exceptional year, they might go, oh, look, we'll put him in as a token on the bench. Um, but yeah, Wiedering certainly had a good year, that's for sure. So, boys, have you got have you got one of these? Let's just stay on this list for two seconds. Have you got one that you'd say is possibly the most? Let's let's start with one or two that are the most suspect there in that list to not make the twenty. Who would you, who would you pull that, out? I'd pull five out. I, I reckon five, yeah, and he's a yep. dual Brownlow medalist. Okay, yeah. that's a big call early. That five Brownlow medalist. I know you can't just keep him in the team forever as a Brownlow medalist. Did he have a good year? That's the question. Absolutely, I think he did. But that doesn't mean he's a walk-up start. So, all right, let, let's call Fife out um, in this list. Who comes out straight away, in your opinion? Uh, I would say... I'd be Liam Ryan. Yeah, for a small forward, there's a couple ahead of him. I'd have uh, ahead of him... He's had a good year, but I'd have ahead of him Butler and probably Papley. Uh, I'd nearly, if you're talking mids, I'd have to take Oliver out. He's he's had a solid year for the D's, but there's other midfielders ahead of him just on the pure, like, you know, Boke and those sort of guys. Um, Jack McRae, um, you know, Boke, just pure talent. He just slides out. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. Greater massive of the, of the ball, but when you look at some of the service that Boke, Dusty, those mm. sort of blokes deliver. He's that little run under. He's not far below him, but he's just that that next level down. Yeah, and that's that's not a knock on him either. Like if you're saying you're you're the road below Boke and Dusty, well you got you're not going too bad, are you? Right. Yeah, <laughs> all right. All right, let's move quickly to uh, Robbo's list now. Who, let's have a quick what time look of, What time of night did he do this? It depends what, whether it was... Yeah, true, um, true. Um, <laughs> arguably... Fair to say he's got his own loves there. Um, but I'm not certain Vlosted's there this year, personally. Um, I don't think he's a walk-up start to stay there. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that one? Well, see, to me, if, if you play... If, you, if you're looking on... Best, you got to put Grimes in. Have Lofton. Yep, yep, I agree with that. So we all agree on that one. Nick Lofton, Jesus, someone said to me, oh, he's coming over the bombers. I'll be, I'll be over the moon." But just again, the way Richmond play, and they're such a good team of role players. Grimes doing his role allows Lofton to play the role he likes to play. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Yep. I, I'm not sure. But Vlosten could play a role on a man as well as Grimes does. Yeah, it'd be like you were saying before about Darcy Byrne Jones, like freeze him up. So all Grimes hard work frees him up. So yeah, I'd, I'd have Grimes before uh, before Vlosten. Yep. Well, it's interesting, uh, Robbo and and a few others. I think probably have left Liam Ryan in. Um, I think that's a bit of love from last year, isn't it? Surely. Um, let's see, Maynard. I think's an interesting one. Um and and uh Weedering definitely staying there. But uh I don't think there's any other major surprises there. Look, 
it's really hard, isn't it? Hard to uh, pull 40 blokes into 20 when they're all superstars in respect of, uh, I know superstars are a big, big word that gets used way too often, but um, out of this many players, it's really hard to, you, I, I actually think we should be, um, we should be picking two teams here and then who plays who. And I think that's a, that, yeah. that's kind of a different way to do this. So, um, and some of the things too, to, like, they won't be far off, but it might be just positional things. Like you might have like Petrarca's on the flank. Um, you know, you might have him ruck rover and Neil roving and then, you know, push someone out of the followers. So it's not far off. It might be just close to that team, but just jumbled around a little bit, maybe in one or two changes. Yep. Yeah, very true. I think the other thing too, like what you said as as about we talk about a week being a long time in footy. What about a, a year? Because I don't think Liam Ryan's had the impact he had last year. I think Maynard's a bit the same. They've had good years. So as you said before, Billy, are they getting yeah, we we squeezed them in last year on the bench or something, so this year he's a reward for effort, so to speak. Yeah, We're, yeah. Definitely. Putting on my bombers hat here, I think it's a perfect example to recognise, like, pretty amazing effort by Jordan Ridley. Mm. 20 games, being effort Essendon, hasn't missed a game, M played well all year, regardless of what the team's done. Yeah. How long has he been on Essendon's list, Ridley? Uh, Second year. I think he was a rookie year, then two years on the main list. Yeah, so fair effort. Look, well, you look at it, and as a supporter of the club, as we all are, you love watching blokes like that develop. Like my eldest boy, like we watch all the games, as my younger son. But Jack said, "Dad, watch how he goes about it. He he doesn't doesn't second guess himself. Clean, clean everything he does is clean, concise. Like and as a, like I, I coach, it's it's great to watch him. So, yep, absolutely." All right, let's move. Let's move to the bombers uh, just quickly. Um, I know we spent a bit way too long on the demons, but I'm obviously pretty uh, pretty passionate about my demons. So, Saad, interesting that he's come third, and he's on the trade table. Is that is that any? Do you reckon it'll happen? Um, will is it, is this a potential trade right here? Is he on the trade table though? Oh no, might be a bit of scuttlebutt, no doubt. Um, you never know, do you? I mean, let's face it, this guy's supposed to be on the trade table too. Surely and he, he doesn't leave and if Melbourne. He, if he does, I I reckon get what you can for him. Like um You like think the as best, best in, footy's behind behind um Saad and also Viney in this case? Not so much Saad. I'm not a big rap on Saad anyway. Um runs three steps, has six bounces and then doesn't always hit a target like does the flashy stuff. Um, he can be good. His best is good. But as far as Viney, like he, his courage cannot be questioned. Head first. I reckon he's a bit like his old man. He's an 80s footballer. So he, the days are gone where, you, you know, you're feeding it out like his old man. He's a, his old man's hands were elite. And he was a horrendous kick as well, as you would know, mate, being a, a mad D. But um, I think if you get rid of him, now, while you can still get something for him, uh, you know, as much as it'd be hard to see him not wearing the red and the blue for you, um, I think you get something while he can because he he just butchers the ball terribly. But as for Saad, um, whether he is on the trade table, like you said, I I think it's a bit of a money thing 
for him, like trying to secure his future, looking for a four-year deal while he is playing, seen to be playing good footy um, and trying to maximise his, his market value, I think. Yep. Yeah. So we move to second place, Zach Merritt. Uh, oh, shopping bags. Yeah, what? Uh, what do you? Another, another great nickname. What do you think? Uh, what do you think, Glenn? One of your favourites? Oh, look. Any surprise? Look, it, it gets the footy a lot. Like as Billy said, as I say to my boys, well, what, the hardest thing in the footy is still to get the footy. But there's a lot of things that people do when they get the footy. I look at I look at Zach Merritt. I look at Dylan Shield, who get the footy a lot. But if I got the footy ten times, and I used it well nine. I'd be happy with that. If I'm getting the footy 20, 25 plus and my efficiency is going at about 50 to 60%, I'm asking questions then. And that's probably my knock on, or definitely Merritt, and then to a lesser degree, Dylan Shield as well. Like Merritt's that's fantastic. You'd never question his work rate or his ethic, but I, I, there's, look, you can't help your size. You're born... You're a factory your mum and dad, and you, that's where you get your your size or lack of size there from. And, and that's the thing with Essendon. Look, we consider ourselves a power club. We need to start flexing our power a bit, be a bit more ruthless. A bit like Hawthorne were in those Trent Premiership years. Rule with an iron fist. So if you don't, you don't, if you don't want to beat the club for whatever the reason, that's fine. We'll try to get a trade for you. But if not, there's the door. Simple as that. Yep, agree with that. And gotta play kids and go through a bit of pain. It is what it is. Absolutely. All right. So we take uh, Crichton medalist Jordan Ridley. Thoughts? Well, you build you build your future around him, McGrath, Darcy Parish. So you rate McGrath. What's that? You rate McGrath. Yeah, that analogy you used before about the eighties thing. He would be an even better player with a class player beside him, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think... Yeah, so Mark Harvey, 10 and a half back, would be handy. Uh, or TD with him on the half-back flank. Yeah, like, like, do you know what I mean? Like, just a bloke yeah. who bash, bash for him, because McGrath's, McGrath's what I call a seaball get ball. He, he's got no fear. So he'll get, he gets smashed up. And, and Darcy Pash is a bit the same. They're still learning their, their craft a bit in terms of I don't always have to be on the bloke on the ground going to get the ball. Sometimes, and I think they're struggling to find that differential between am I an inside player or am I an outside player? Mm. Like imagine them alongside like them on either plane. You've got TD, drives a chip near, listen here, son. Here, you just <laughs> bloody go in there and I'll just bloody smack them down, you know, like... Yeah. Yeah, it'd be a big difference having him as opposed to nothing against Carl Hooker, but I'll be back in TD in the belt someone over Carl Hooker and look after you. <laughs> well, I think I think at times with Essendon this year, and it's not, I don't think teams do it in a derogatory or as a lack of respect, but Parrish, McGrath, Dylan Shield, they're not big blocks. So no. eventually, if you're getting tackled all day, look, Paddy Dangerfield, Paddy Cripps, Dusty. Big the bodies. Ball, they tackle you. That's going to hurt you. Mm. Now, I'm not saying yep. Darcy and those blokes shirt the issue, but that's that's probably what's killed us at this times. This wears them down. 
Yeah. And it wears They've got down. kids' bodies. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there's, yep. I, I don't doubt their ability to stand up to the fight, but you see that in games and watching it as a, as a coach, but also as a fan, you, you see in games, that's what they really lack with their confidence. Like it's, the ball's there to be one. They don't, they don't shoot the issue, but it's that next step that, oh, hang on, am I good enough to do this? Or, or, or they walk into a centre bounce and there's West Coast and they've got Nick Nat, Shuey, Gaff, Geelong have got Danger, Duncan, Selwood. Mm. And I think, oh, God, are, are we up to this? Mm. And I think that's probably the biggest yep. issue with us and is they lack probably belief for themselves. So I suppose what are what are the bombers what are the bombers doing next? Who goes? Does let's start with Danaher. Does he stay? Oh look, at his best, you've only got to see that game against Hawthorne this year. If he brings that to the table, he's the he's poss- he's got the potential to be the best forward in the AFL. Yeah, well, as we know, with the word the word potential is a scary yeah. word, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's, it's, absolutely, it's, probably yeah. one of the biggest names in the game. But uh, Essendon's look, problem now is that he can walk as a free agent, so they're not going to yeah. get anything for him. So yeah. Dodoro, like, you know, he, he asked for pick 3, 7, 9, 12, 14, 15, plus six other top-up top players last year for him, when really what they should have done last year is, that, well, if he doesn't want to be, you will get what, what we can for him, which is That's a reasonable right. deal for, say, he's wanting to go to Sydney. Don't ask for too much, but don't, don't sell your club short, because now... He's had that all right game against the Hawks, so and he can just walk for nothing. So I reckon they should have got something more they could because he, he clearly, yeah, for whatever reason, doesn't want to be there. Whether it's the pressure of the name, you know, and the success of his, you know, our father and uncles before him, he just, for, for whatever it is, whether he just needs to get out of the bubble and just hide in Sydney and try and play some good footy up there. Look, I think yeah, look, together, go, Glenn. he's similar in character to Buddy. I don't think mm. he likes the limelight. But no. he likes the limelight in terms of game day and the limelight that comes with it. But mm. once the phone's gone, well, I'm off to the movies and the girlfriend, or this is, I don't need to know about this 24-7. Yeah. So yeah. where does he where does he go, ideally? Who who takes him? Obviously, I don't think him and Buddy can play in the same lineup in Sydney. Um, how many games has Buddy... That's right. Absolutely. I, don't, I think I don't uh, think you'd be able to play great... there. Yep. And warm, warm client, that... you never know. Like he might get up there and might help his injuries instead of being I know it's been different this year, but you know, get up there training in twenty three, twenty five instead of, you know, training down here when it's eleven and cold. Um, you know, yep. you've heard part players talk about that in the past, so that could help. But yeah, I, as you said, mate, how many games is Buddy gonna play? Like, he, he yep. could be done. You don't know. Yeah, it's, it'd be an interesting one to follow that one. Um, look, I'll, I think... I'll be, uh, um, if West Coast put, or Fremantle put in for anything for him. Yeah, I think Freo would be a good fit. Yeah. West Coast especially, because Kennedy and Darling, well, Kennedy, they've been good servants of the game, but they wouldn't have much football left in them. And who's their next forward then for the West Coast? Waterman, mm. Ryan... Oscar Allen seemed to be an, an okay. I reckon Oscar Allen will probably take uh, take uh, Darling's role. I reckon he's your, your replacement for Darling because sometimes he, he can just be a big plonker. He'll run around with, you know, he's keeping gloves on and 
can't take, you know, he can't catch a cold, or in this case, Corona, or uh, or he'll run around and just like he's got super glue on his hands, you know, like he did yeah. against the pies. Like he couldn't drop anything in that granny. And then, you know, so you don't know what you're going to get with him. So I think Oscar Allen's your replacement for him. And then whether you look to, well, but then, you know, do you replace Kennedy? Because how long's Danaher got left? So I think he'd fit in there, but um, they're probably like for like with those two for the replacement wars. And that's the yeah, funny thing. I think we'll, it's a bit we'll of a talk about of how much he's got left in him. Mm, yeah. Look, he, he might be shot mentally as well, too. Like, you, you, mm. you don't know that. He's played, what, two and a half games in two years. Mm. Yeah. Look, there's no doubt that Danaher's are close. They're, they're an iconic family. Um, with, uh, with Neil going through his, his uh, personal battles, I don't think the right move is to get Joe somewhere else at the moment. I think Joe, but you're right, Joe needs a fresh start somewhere. He needs to be out of that limelight. So I don't know. I just don't know how that's going to pan out. But obviously, Melbourne toyed about it, put their hand up. I think North Melbourne probably could be one that'll throw the kitchen sink at him. Um, why wouldn't they? They've, uh, you know, the, the latest uh, took forever to get this news out, but finally um, they released something. I mean, it was the worst kept secret that Ben Brown's finally been told to look for a new home. Well, I think everyone knew that he was done. Um, I think he's the, he needs a fresh start too. And I think, um, and a I fresh know, number. I, you can't be running around with 50 on your back. You're playing in the Monty twos if you got 50 on and, and you, and it's, it's, like, it's low and it's low number syndrome. Like it's halfway down your back 50. Like you, you can't be wearing 50. Like, you're not Sean Wren, 52. Well, here's the question. Could he – here's the question. I'm not sure if it got retired, but could he take – could he go to the Bombers and take a five? Uh, no. Who's got that? The fella from uh, GWS, hasn't he? Um, uh, yeah, Smith, right? Smith, Dylan, uh, Devin Smith, yeah. Smith. Yeah, well, I don't know. Could I reckon be, he could steal what? that number. Dan Hurd North, Ben Brown, Essendon. There you go. Yeah. There's, there's one scoop. We're running with that for this week. Let's get that around the around the traps. Um, <laughs> so the last thing last thing to cover off the bombers, Wusha says goodbye. Um, you mentioned uh, at the awards night, pretty pretty moving speech, Glenn. But he he's been great for the club. I think so he's been really solid when they needed someone to ground that club um, and get him back on track. He's copped a lot of a bit of a beating in the last couple of weeks, but I, I think he's been the right man for the job. Thoughts? I, I listened to his speech at the Crichton Medal, and I've also had him speak at various times during his tenure. And look, to to be through what he went through as the coach and to handle the way he's handled it, nothing but respect for the man. And he walked, he walks out with his head held high. He hasn't, he doesn't, doesn't walk away like most coaches, whether they've left, been sacked or whatever, with his coat tail between his legs. He walks out, I gave it my best. The club's, I would say, in a slightly better way, but the issues of the club that are poor or, or poor, reflect poorly on the club, the club has to fix. That's not something he can fix, so that makes sense. Yep. Oh, look, I think he's done a great job. Um, be interesting. You know, there's always, he's always been, the question is, 
has someone been coaching behind the scenes? You know, you don't, you just don't know. That's what supposedly happened at Melbourne. Um, Wusher took the media. Uh, you just don't know. So it'll all be revealed next year when uh, when the big man steps up and, and takes the reins. Let's see how it goes. So it'll be interesting assisting coaches, who stays, who goes, what's the, what's the new lineup look like. But that'll do for the Bombers for a second. Let's move to the Hawks um, and Bill. Probably a moment. Uh, you know, I think it's a great moment, this. Um, always seeing players retired and chair lifted off. Um, it'd be a shame, shame they couldn't do it in front of big, a lot more fans. Yeah, it is disappointing, obviously. Um, yeah, I'm pretty seven at times. And, um, you know, <laughs> that's great to see, you know, two triple premiership players at the club, um, you know. Um, and, you know, the word champion gets thrown around easily, which for those two is not something you would label them with. You'd label them like to be a triple premiership player is is a hell of an effort. Um, but... You know, it's also right place, right time. Like, Strats had great defenders around him, but he always did his job. Um, Poppy, we needed a small forward. So when you look at Poppy, um, you know, he's not even getting the best defender, best small forward defender because they were, they were on Cyril. So he had a free reign, jump on heads, and he, he played his part. There's no doubt there. And 196 games. Um, yeah, like, it, you know, it's always that time of year when people, they retire, oh, he's a champion, he's a champion. Neither of those two are champions, but they're, they're bloody good servants of the Hawthorne Footy Club, that's for sure. Absolutely. And wouldn't be bad to uh, be chairlifted off by one of the greatest in the game, uh, being Silk. So how good... Hey, that's, that's, what, that's a photo to cut in half for the kids, isn't it? Yeah, how good's that? So, so, um, so I thought you meant Chip Brawley, but yeah, 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 that's all right. Yeah, Silk. <laughs> yeah. Well, Chip underneath you, mate. He's, uh, he's a... He was, Solid he was good in the day. So, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So you've, uh, I just want to bring up this special moment, Bill. Um, the great Silk, pretty good after a grand final and a win. Geez, I wouldn't mind tasting a bit of that, that cup one day. What a great day oh, that would have been. It was amazing, mate. That was the West Coast granny. Um, I got tickets through work. I was sitting up uh, behind the goals at the Ponsford stand end. a couple of rows from the front up the top. And three-quarter time, a lot of the West Coast people sort of funneled out. So I just made my way down to the front. Um, yeah, sort of slipped in there with a couple of West Coast people. Said, "Look, you know, not down here to give you a hard time. Just get down amongst the boys." And obviously, um, you know, a good mate of ours, Lado, playing with uh, with the boys and uh, tasting success in 08. Sort of know a few of the lads, and uh, yeah, got down there. And um, yeah, there it is. There, that's one of my favourite photos. That one, that's a ripper. Um, yeah, so sung out the silk on the boundary and. Uh, yeah, he came over and brought the cup over, and I was fueling there. There would have, I reckon, there would have been twenty-eight cameramen there, like taking photos uh, in front of that. They come over, and there's just a wall of cameras there. And I looked everywhere, tried, you know, Herald Sun, every outlet, like got into contact with people on social media. Um, one of my mates, one of the prominent uh, fellas, Michael Wilson, AFL photographer. He played in a premiership up at Lake Boga in 2003 with a couple of mates from my hometown. So I got in touch with Willow. Um, you know, I could, couldn't find – that's the only one I've got, and that's off a still shot off Fox, uh, Fox footy, uh, that one. And they actually ran it the next year in the finals and said, are oh, you looking forward to finals? And it came up on the promo and the heap of people were sending it through. So, yeah, it was a great memory. Like, just, yeah, came running over. And um, it was funny. There's a couple of people sort of behind me, and they like, oh – 
like all, all the players get coming over to you. You're so lucky. And so you're singing out to, you know, Birch and all these little blokes and they're coming over and you, you like, I didn't say it. I said, yeah, I oh, just must be lucky. Yeah, the lads are coming over, like Ruffy, Louie, sort of all those boys um, from Lado's days. Um, but, yeah, no, that was that was fantastic, bringing it over. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just spewing I couldn't get the front-on shot of it, but I'll take what I can get on that. It's a, it's a bloody ripper. Absolutely. So let's just quickly flick back to 08. Um, what a great moment to be there with Lado. Uh, obviously, a good mate of yours. Uh, I, I'm wrapped that I can call him a mate of mine. Um, superstar. We believe he's a superstar. I know he's very underrated. Um, geez, he's played his part, though, didn't he? He was he was a great, great stalwart of that club, for sure. Great well player. Yeah, absolutely, Glenn. And, and, and we're talking before about blokes using the footy, um, you know, and, and the guys they had at the Hawks, those left footers and... You know, he was rated one of the best kicks at the club. And, you know, some of the blokes we had there, Hodgie, Louie, those sort of blokes, just lethal left foot. Um, yeah, he was a ripper. Like, you know, that 07 game, the elimination final where Buddy kicked the goal, it was Lado that threaded, it, threaded the needle to get it to him. Um, you know, and then the next year when they weren't expected to, to win it, that was just it was unbelievable. Like, just it was surreal, really, like, just as a supporter. So... Imagine what it was like for the boys. Um, and then, you know, that night at Crown and, you know, the days days following that, like, yeah, it was, it was, un- it was unbelievable to, to sort of be around it, let alone imagine what it would be like for the boys. Just, you know, people say they pinched it, but, you know, you'll take it and imagine what it was like for them. Yeah, well, definitely one thing it doesn't say on the cup is pinched. Um, you get <laughs> your name on it and you get the title. The only ones that have ever been pinched are the mighty Melbourne Storm. Um, you and I, Bill, were lucky enough to share a moment like this together uh, after a granny in the rooms. Um, I was carrying a couple extra kegs there, but, geez, that was a, a big weekend, big uh, big day, and, and look how old this how is. Cam, Cam was just a boy then. Um, we're going back to 99 here. Sorry, not 99, 2009. I know, um, yeah. One that was stolen off us. We're up in Sydney, and, gee, we had a good party that night. Mate, that, that was one of the best nights I've ever had that night. Like, the, you know, <clears throat> through another mate of ours, Trav Wallace, having the connection with the boys is what got us down there in the rooms. And obviously, you knew a, few, a fair few of the lads too, AC. And like, down there amongst it, it was it was unbelievable. It was like another thing, surreal feeling. Like, you're right in amongst it. And, you know, other photos of Billy and Cam Smith, like, I'm going to be immortals of the game. And then the after party, as you know, it was at the hotel that we were staying at. I think it was on the fifth or sixth floor from memory um and we were staying on the 15th floor um even before the game at pre-game drinks we're just looking down and it's just a sea playing your old mob Parramatta. it's just a sea of blue and gold every like we we're outnumbered massively but yeah the after party just being able to get in the lift and and just go up to your room after but you know molly meldrum's there hammered and you're like oh molly can we get a photo and he's just like <laughs> like he couldn't even speak you know like um and just all the boys just it was just it was unbelievable partying with them like um yeah that was one of the best nights of my life that it was amazing it was it's hard to believe it was so long ago but um i was lucky enough to to come up with cytel and um we had an absolute ball she was the only girl amongst us um she had an absolute ball stevie turner was still one of her good mates to, the, to today and was one of the probably very similar to lato in respective 
in a team that did his role, played on the wing. Um, but possibly a lot of people don't remember Steve Turner as a as a Storm um, player and premiership hero, like like the big the big names because there was a lot of big names. But it was great to have Lado with us actually up on that trip, um, being a fellow Hawk, um, and obviously Cameron Smith now become and a few other uh, Hawthorne players for that matter have become big Storm fans. So it's great for those uh, true superstars of the game to be able to to share in that premiership success together. I know that was a really special night, and I'm I'm wrapped to have been able to experience that with Lado uh, behind the scenes just as a fan, and then later on in his career being able to do that as a premiership. Hero for Hawthorne. Yeah, it was, it was like it was a remarkable couple of years. Obviously, 08 with Lado, and then following into 09, it was just sort of a surreal time. Just to yeah, how lucky you are, you sort of take it for granted a little bit that you were there, like in amongst it, and and how lucky you are, like what some people would give to be amongst it. But it because you sort of a couple of times during that year, 09 leading up, um, and Lado knowing a few of the boys, the old. I'll slip down the G-bung when she was still flying and you're in there amongst with the boys and, and like, sort of drinking with them and they're just, they're good blokes. So you sort of knew, you knew them and it was in the rooms. It wasn't like you just, oh, yeah, I know Zappa like Steve Turner and um, and that's it. It was like the boys coming up to you and they, they actually knew your name and you just sort of pinch yourself and go, how good is this? Like, it, was, it was unbelievable, yeah. really. Absolutely. When you when you think back about that just quickly on in – in back in those days of uh, 2009, um, most of most of those players were still kids. You know, Billy yeah. was literally a kid still, um, and to uh, to being able to know Bill since he was about 16, 17, coming in through Melbourne Storm to become what he is now, to sit there with Cam being an absolute superstar of the game, and incredible that he's even still playing. I mean, I kick myself, and I thank a good mate of mine, Trav Wallace, uh, who's a good mate of yours too, Bill that uh, we've been able to mix in that circle. Um, mm. But I, what I love about the Melbourne Storm especially was, you know, it's it's back to just, it's kind of that country sport mentality of come and have a beer in the sheds. You know, they used to call it the sheds and they still do, which is in the in their rooms. And you'd you'd get into the rooms in the inner sanctum and there'd be two two eskies there full of crownies and, and they'd be the first ones to hand you a beer. And uh, I mean, I just remember those as, as growing up as a as a fairly young bloke, and just thinking, how good is this? And then you'd be over at the aftermatch function, um, and you have blokes like Marcus By and Glenn Lazarus back in the day, and all those guys that would just come and say hello to you. They were just icons of the game. And look, the AFL used to do that, but I just think the NRL did it differently. And I think that was the biggest reason why the Melbourne Storm became such a great network. Um, and and all the all the clubs have got a great network, no doubt. Um, but I don't know. I got just swept into that Melbourne Storm love. Um, and even before I really understood the game, I just had to make sure I was there because I never wanted to miss another one of those moments. To have that success after '99 so early in the piece, and then to have it again um, in '7 and '9, um, it's uh, I know that they both. I think it's both of those, wasn't it, Bill? That got taken office, but um, mm. we've. Uh, Look, we're in the we're in the little window now where I reckon we've got one or two in us. But it's incredible. Bellamy uh he continues to just keep reinventing these blokes. Um and I reckon we could have two or three Melbourne Storms amount of blokes that he's uh he's put through his paces and and they've become origin players, Australian representatives, um and 
just superstars of the game. So I know I keep throwing the name superstars around, but generally those blokes that come out of Melbourne Storm have been superstars. Yeah, when you look at someone like Tim Glasby, like he was on the scrap heap. He came down here, he turned him into a rep footballer, um, went up to the like, and then gets a three, I think three or four year deal with the Knights on on, on good coin. Unfortunately, he's had to retire due to concussion, so a medical retirement. He only played twenty five games for the Knights, but he's a classic example of one that comes to mind. There's been many others, um, but came down here, like no one wanted him, and Bellamy turned him into a great number ten, and and got rewarded with good money and. Yeah, as I said, unfortunately, he's had to retire due to concussion, but he's just an example of someone who was nowhere and, you know, turned into a rep footballer under Bellamy. Yep, absolutely. I mean, all the way back from Glenn Lazarus to Steve Kearney, these are all players that have just been icons of the Melbourne Storm. Um, Matty Geyer, Robbie Ross, these are all blokes that have come back to the club regularly now. And, and when you have a, a past players kind of function, which I think the Storm do incredibly well, you get 30 or 40 or 50 blokes come and line up out there that are, we just all love. Um, and I know every club has that kind of uh, approach, um, but I, I think um, the, the Storm are just able to get, get fans around their um, supporters and fans to be really part of their game. And I think that's the unique part about being a one, a one um, club in Melbourne. And I, I think that that gets lost a little bit in the AFL being uh being such a so many clubs in one city, um, you'd like to know if uh, if they could do that in in somewhere like Brisbane, um, we're being one club. So let's just quickly flick to the Gabba. Um, I can't wait to see this uh, as a lineup on a Saturday. Hopefully, it's a Saturday night. Um, we don't know for I don't know if we know for sure yet. Um, but AFL uh, in Brisbane, gladly rewarded. I mean, I can't wait to see this kind of sight. In Brisbane, a grand final. Let's just finish on this for tonight. Being the grand final moment, um, let's just review. We'll talk about very quickly just that one game that's going to come up. Uh, I think this one's the the match of the match of the final first week of the finals. Um, it's not going to be. I don't think it's the. Is it the first? Not the first game. So that's that's interesting. Um, we get Port and Geelong. Um, let's talk about this one, this final series kind of next week. But I think let's just touch on how good this game's going to be. Um, I think it'll shape up potentially what ends up happening for the whole series. What are you? What are your thoughts on Brisbane Lions and are they a genuine chance in their on their home turf? What do you think, Glenn? First, if Brisbane if Brisbane can win that, they could win the lot. If if they can get their heads around their I suppose undue pressure they put on themselves with their poor goal kicking. If they can find a way to improve on that and get their heads around, like I saw the comment that Mitch Robinson played this week about protecting Lockie Neal. Don't worry about that. Just keep just keep the footy. Keep getting the footy. If they can curb their goal kicking, and I think with that, a lot of onus on how Hipwood plays. If Hipwood has an impact, even if it's just been making a contest, bringing the ball to ground, small blokes feeding off him, big chance. So, as I said, if they can win on Friday, I think they can win the whole thing. But that said, that's that little bloke on their shoulder. Oh, hang on. We went out straight sets last year. We're playing Richmond. We've struggled against them both times this year. 
how they deal with that. They haven't been far off. Yeah. Like the, the, the games, oh, absolutely. And the games where uh, where the line, like they've got the wood on, I think it's nine or 11, might even be more than that. They've, they've beaten them a lot of times in a row, but that takes into account when uh, Brisbane were no good. But um, they haven't been far off their last couple of encounters. It's only really been inaccuracy that's cost them. So as you said, if, if Hitwood's getting it to the blokes or he's clunking it, if he is taking those grabs, he's got to make sure he's kicking goals. They don't want to be, you know, kicking two goals seven and then be all over him and then think, oh, geez, you know, we've had our chance, so here we go again. So a lot of it's going to be, there, like you said, that little man on the shoulder. And uh, the accuracy is going to be their biggest thing because they've got the talent and they can match it with Richmond, but whether they can match it for the whole four quarters and I think the accuracy of goal will be the big one. Yep. Let's uh, let's dig into that a little bit more next week, and we'll review that kind of first week of the finals. So maybe Thursday night, uh, maybe let's look at that again next Thursday, possibly, boys. We might get together and do this again. This has been really fun. I know we can talk forever, so let's let's kind of wrap this up shortly. Um, but and we're gonna a good mate of ours or mine, uh, Luke. I'd like you guys to meet. We're going to talk a bit of cricket. Um, he's a mad cricket man, and I know uh, I know the world of cricket. Um, is 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 you know coming up as far as what's coming up in in sport um we've got uh the boxing day test coming up in victoria is it going to happen so there's a lot of things we want to talk in relation to cricket um the record run chase is another thing we want to cover off how good is steve smith there's a there's a few things we want to cover off for next week so i'm sure there's going to be a few more stories um bill being a uh ex-cricket superstar himself uh, behind the scenes um, there's a couple of comments there. There's a little preview of my mate Luke getting close to uh, Chrissy Fagan. Um, geez, hasn't he been a great coach this year? Possibly coach of the year, in my opinion. So um, let's talk about that one next week. Um, just on cricket, um, I believe there's a bit of news which is uh, incredibly sad um, through us. Uh, obviously, we we were cricket fans as kids. Um, and possibly and saw this guy and honestly we saw this guy as a bit of a, a Michael Jordan of our sport at the time. Geez, he was a he was a good player. Um, Bill, give us um, unfortunately the really sad news. Yeah, phone's been running hot there, mate. Um, yeah, Dean Jones, obviously one day player, absolute superstar. He's um, unfortunately passed away of a heart attack, age fifty nine in Mumbai. So uh, yeah, again, the message is coming through that. Um, yeah, the great man has uh, unfortunately passed away, which is very sad news. Um, you know, he's a polarising figure, obviously, out of the test, in it, you know, average over 50 and got dropped from the test test team for whatever reason, love him or hate him. It's, uh, yeah, he was a superstar of the one-day game and you'd imagine how good he would have been at T20, blokes like him and Mark War. But, yeah, that's very sad news. Absolutely. I, I always I always used to sit at, sit at the cricket, I remember, on the one-dayers and... I'd uh, let's finish let's finish this on on our discussion in relation to, to to sport in general, but on Dino in particular. And I remember the one days, and we'd be out there watching West Indies versus Australia. The lights are beyond. We'd be having the the uh, bright yellow canary one day gear, and I almost used to just wait for Marsh to go out. I couldn't wait because I'd, I'd hear the big chant of Dino coming next or Alan Border or whoever was going to be next. But, geez, the crowd erupted when Dean Jones came out and just lit that place up. So 
Um, yeah, such a sad story. You're absolutely right. Polarising character, for sure. But, geez, he was good for our game, Australian cricket. Glenn, your thoughts? Oh, and probably played one of the bravest innings of all time, that, in, that innings in India, where at the end of the end of the day, he ended up going on a drift. Didn't, with he, that didn't he love bringing that up? How many times he spewed? <laughs> <laughs> but, but that, that yeah. said, if you, look at, if you look at icons in sport, and it's particularly in Australian sport, they are polarising figures. Hmm. But because yeah. because of the the I suppose the platform and the elevation we give them, that when they speak, fifty percent are going to go, "Yep, I hear what he says." Or the other are going to say, "Mate, what are you talking he talking about?" He would always think, like looking at America, he would have been a good American. Like he he's, he would have been a good Yank. Like just how much he loved himself, how much yeah. he pumped himself up, and as Aussies, like people, we we don't like that arrogance and how much he loved himself, but. At the same time, I remember as a kid, like how much everyone did love him. Like his Fox Cricket's been showing all the old one day games, and the one was on where he um where he tore the Poms apart, the old two and Proms up there at the Gabba, 145, and he just smashed them everywhere. You know that, that was unbelievable. And someone making 145 in a one day back in you know 92, 93, or 91, 92, that that was unheard of. Like that was just. Like, that's equivalent of 220 now. Like, that's just crazy what he did back then. And we just, I remember, yeah, like, you had the had a yellow shirt at home and, like, cut out the, when they had their names across the back the first time and they had them and getting the masking tape and cutting it out because Jones was an easy name to get around the O. And then, you know, so the S was a bit hard, but, you know, sticking it on the back of your shirt and playing backyard cricket with his name on the back of your shirt as a kid, you know. Absolutely. I remember Dino... Dino as a kid and just that classic Aussie kind of name, Dean Jones. Um, yeah. It's, uh, geez, he was good. He was so good. So, so sad yeah, to uh, so hear that news. As Victorians, like, we had a lot of... He was the man. Good, he was the man, as you said. I remember being at the MCG for one day. It's like, and he'd come out and do... And gave us like, like you're talking about yeah. kids. You remember the... I can remember the Lily Chandler. He was up and about when I was a bit younger. But Dean, when Dean Jones came in the bat, it was just <laughs> at the MCG's Victorians, they went ballistic. Yeah, and no, and no more exciting man than more exciting man than Bill Laurie. <laughs> oh, Bill Laurie, <laughs> when he's coming at the bat, like, <laughs> yeah, no, he, really. he's terribly no, sad. Very sad. Far too young, fifty-nine. Mm. Yeah, they had so much more to give, and and gave a lot in cricket, and and loved the game. Um, he was so passionate about it and so outspoken that it did divide people, but his heart was in the right place. He always wanted to grow the game, loved kids, loved thing, developing. He wasn't, he wasn't scared to speak his mind, whether you agreed with him or not. Like Some of the things you'd sort of say, you'd be like, ah, oh, you know, Dino, but credit where it's due, like, he was he was going, look, he asked the whatever his beef was with Cricket Victoria, the, the Cricketer of the Year is named after him, and he said to him, nah, don't no, no, that's it. Like it's not. I don't want to. For like, he wasn't scared to speak his mind, whether you agree with him or not. Yep, absolutely. So, look, terrible to hear that news. Um, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, he didn't didn't suffer in that process, and um, be great. Be great to be able to honour Dino at the Boxing Day Test. Hopefully, with a crowd in Melbourne. So let's talk about that one next week. Let's work work out a bit of a tribute to Dino, um, a mate of mine, Glenn, um, Luke. Obviously, uh, mad cricketer. He'll be on next week. He's, he'll be shattered. He missed the show. 
Um, would have, he would have loved to talk about talk about Dino. So we, we might uh, we might put him on the spot next week. Uh, boys, it's been fantastic having a chat. Thanks for being so open um, and talking about uh, sport, our biggest love. I know we've only really covered a couple of our clubs. Uh, we'll dig a bit deeper and go into AFL finals next week. I know it's a week off. We'll talk about NRL finals uh, coming up. Uh, but most importantly, this show is designed to connect blokes together, connect anyone together for that matter. So we, we'll have some special guests, women on as well, no doubt, um, that'll give us some advice, clip us back in the line, I'm sure. But we've got another musical special guest this Saturday night, a uh, good mate of mine, Dave Cosma, who's been doing some great things uh, in isolation in the back seat of his EJ Holden uh, in his garage doing some Come on, mate. He's got out the host. He, he's <laughs> signed out of too, he signed out too early. <laughs> you'll be there kind of early crying yourself, mate. You get into trouble. <laughs> Here he comes. <laughs> That's one way to end it, though. Quick one's a good one. Billy and I, Billy and I thought uh, some of your best work too, mate, but we didn't hear it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh let's let's finish finish up there. Good to say good to see you boys uh online. Great to connect you guys. Um, you guys will be part of the regular setup, and at least until we get a lockup. But I'd plan to do this a little bit more often because I think it's fantastic to connect. Um, Billy back home from Vegas, being able to hang out back in lockdown in Melbourne. Hopefully, uh, construction's one of the first things to fire again. Um, yeah, it'd be incredible to have been, uh, sadly, to have been overseas when the possibly one of my absolute icons, Glenn, will attest to that Kobe. Kobe made uh, meant a lot to me. I never knew him, mate, but I felt like I knew him because he was such a superstar of our game. So to be over there when, sadly, when that happened, I'm sure you'll never forget that. Um, but to uh, to have such great sporting loves and icons, and we can talk about that forever. Um, I look forward to chatting sport. I look forward to chatting life, and it's been great to connect again with you boys um, and have a chat. So, Bill, you're uh, you're officially part of the part of the team, part of the family, anytime you want to jump on. Um, I'd love to have a chat about Neil Danaher. I see the book in the background there. We'll talk about that and the impact he's had on on football and, and country life and country football and what a family uh, the Danahers have been. Glenn, I know we've got plenty of things to talk about with you um, over time, so let's set up a bit of an agenda in the next week or so. Um, it's been great to connect. I thank you once well, again, boys. A sneaky Melbourne Cup early tip too, boys. Righto. A long, we'll, way, uh, a long way out of the event. So this we won't go won't go yet. We might wait a week or so, but then I might just drop it on you. All right. Well that's we'll cover that in another topic as well. Definitely uh we'll talk about the races and we'll talk about a we might even nominate a charity, guys, that we're gonna start to align ourselves with and we'll maybe multiple charities and we'll find something we're gonna do for October. Um we'll work out how we do that. I know the classic one's Movember. I think we might. I'm not not big on the old mo's, so I might uh, I might have to double up the money if we go that way. But I'm sure we can find something in the meantime to do do together for October, and we'll get a few yep. other people on board. Um, so we'll maybe talk about that next week too. So thanks yeah. for jumping on, boys. Um, Bill, thanks for uh, everything you bring to the table. You're a, you're an expert in many fields, mate, and I uh, I love your passion for sport. Love your passion for life. Um, Get out there and enjoy it, mate, after this after the pad bolts are off.
Der Hund ist mildes. I've lost you, Bill. You're, you're on mute, Bill. There we go. Sorry, boys. The, uh, the headphones. Good, good to see one of us knows technology anyway, boys. That's the main thing. <laughs> Isn't it interesting, yeah, guys? It Isn't it interesting just to, just to say that, you know, we plan to jump on and I said to Bill just before we jumped on, I said, mate, this will be a 45-minute chat maximum, you know. We've gone double over that. Um, we, we'll, next week we'll try and rein it in and we'll, we'll, we'll get it in within an hour. Um, but it's just great that three, two guys who didn't know each other can jump on board and talk so openly about sports we love. Um, and that's, that's what I, what I plan to do is just, uh, have an outlet and have a chat. And anyone that jumped on or watches this afterwards, um, feel free to shoot some comments and discuss topics we want to talk about. And let's, uh, let's have some fun doing this. Thanks guys. Yeah. Beauty, mate. Thank you. See have you later. Have a good one. See you boys. Have a good night.